And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night, midnight on the interstate, and I didn't feel so great. Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I just arrived back from Nashville, just this very, very moment. Big, big, exciting win last night by the Wild. 5-4 in overtime. Dmitry Kulikov scores with 1.3 seconds left in overtime to get the Wild the extra point, a much-needed point, because... the. The Anaheim Ducks blew a 2-0 lead to the St. Louis Blues, so the St. Louis Blues extended their point streak to 16 games. Feels like they never lose. The Wild will need them to lose at some point. Uh, They'll need them to lose four different times in the playoffs for the Wild to advance to the second round. Um, But what that um, uh, extra point that the Wild did was keep them on top of the Blues for home ice advantage in the first round. And the Blues have two games left at Colorado and home against Vegas, while the Wild have three games left at home against Arizona, Calgary, and Colorado. So if the Wilds can take care of business, uh, at least win out, they will uh, get home ice advantage. Remember, though, if the two teams tie in points, right now they both have 109 points, the St. Louis Blues will get the tie-breaking win because they have the most regulation victories. The Wild have 10 regulation overtime victories, but that is no longer the first tiebreaker. Three years ago, they changed that rule to just regulation wins, so the Wild um, have uh, cannot catch up to the Blues in regulation wins. So tiebreaker belongs to the Blues, so the Wild must finish with more points than the Blues to get home ice advantage in the first round, which starts May 2nd, and then I believe will be every other day for the Wild uh, Blues series. Um, today's guest on my podcast, a former St. Louis Blue, um, former Montreal Canadiens assistant GM, uh, played for the Oilers, played for the Flyers, 
played for the Blues, the Thrashers, and oh, who else? Uh, oh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, Scott Mellenby is my guest, uh, the second captain in Panthers history, the uh, man that created the rat trick back in the day. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the loss recently of his father, Ralph, who was just uh, you know, a hockey innovator, a builder when it comes to TV broadcasts in, in, uh, across the United States and Canada, uh, executive producer for Hockey Night Canada in Can- Hockey Night in Canada for years, but also um, did many, many Olympics, including the uh, ABC telecast for Miracle on Ice in 1980. So Ralph Mellenby just recently passed away in January. We'll talk to Scott about his dad, and we'll talk to Scott about a lot of uh, fun things, including the Wild Blue series. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast. Um, again, the Wild uh, just rolling along right now, unbeaten in 12, or I should say a point streak in 12 straight games at home. Um, they have a point streak overall, for 10 straight games, it's, they're 8-0-2. They're the eighth team in NHL history and the first since the Colorado Avalanche that won the Cup in 2000 and 2001 to have three separate 10-game point streaks in a single season. So that that they're just rolling along, and they are, what is it, 19-2-4 in their last uh, 25 games. So they are uh, rocking and rolling. It's a shame the two hottest teams in the league will have to meet in the first round just with the ridiculous... Um, playoff format that the NHL has. Uh, you know, it, it just, you're going to have three teams, the three best teams in the conference are no doubt in the Central Division. It's Minnesota and St. Louis and Colorado. And only one of those three teams can get to the conference final and only uh, two of those teams can get to the second round. But the Wild and Blues, two hottest teams in the league, both 109 points. Uh, one of them will not pick a, make a pass round one. Yet a team like the Edmonton Oilers, you know, in my mind, has have the easiest matchup. I mean, they're right now going to play in the first round, the L.A. Kings. Uh, you know, just zero. No, none of this makes sense. But I would love to see them go back to the one verse eight format. Um, Wild rolling along despite myriad injuries. Uh, Marcus Foligno has missed the last four games with COVID-19. He's supposed to come back Tuesday against Arizona. Matt Dumb has missed 10 games. Uh, Matt Zuccarello just missed his first game. And Jordan Greenway has missed his seven. Now, Dean Evison said that he hopes, he originally said that that Matt Dumb was a wild card to be ready for game one. Now he hopes that all three of the, uh, the injured guys could get a game, at least one game before the playoffs begin on May 2nd. So we'll see. But regardless, that probably means they're not 100 percent. Um, and then last night, Jared Spurgeon looked like he hurt his shoulder as well, got hard checked into the boards by Philip Forsberg, clean check, came out of it awkwardly, and the Wild had to play for 52 and a half minutes, the final 47 and a half minutes of regulation and five minutes of overtime with five defensemen. Uh, their guys stepped up. We talked about Kulikov plus three, the overtime winner. Jake Middleton, I thought was absolutely awesome. Um, just really good plays. And Kulikov made a great point after the game. They said, you know, to get by with five defensemen, they really couldn't afford to be uh, spending a lot of time in their own end. And if you think about it, uh, the forwards just did a tremendous job of getting the help and get the puck out. The Wild really never had any prolonged shifts in their end, and that it was integral with five defensemen. And so while they didn't get great goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury, they did what they've done all season long, and that's outscored their mistakes or outscored their goals given up, and they scored five goals. Um, absolutely dominated the puck possession of the games, outshot the Blues um, 47-25, to 25, um, doubled them up in shot attempts for the second game in a row in Nashville. Uh, so really, really quality game. Kevin Fiala absolutely on a tear. Uh, by this time that this podcast comes out, could he be the first star of the week after being second star of the week last week? Should be. 
how about this week for him? Four goals, seven assists, um, and and just rolling along. Had the five, uh, had the five assist game as well. Um, just has been absolutely awesome in four victories. But overall, on a ten game point streak, he has ten goals. Uh, 23 points, 38 shots, six drawn penalties, I think 66 shots on goal, has just been absolutely uh, scintillating. And last night, again, when they needed him most, he sets up a goal by uh, Yul Eriksson and then he scores a goal 110 apart at the end of the second period to take a 3-2 deficit, turn it upside down into a 4-3 lead going into the third period. And um, again, just uh, you saw it, just um, undressed uh, Mikhail Granlin, the guy he was traded for in 2019, had an incredible celebration, talked some smack to the bench and admitted after the game that it was always nice to score against Nashville, the team that traded him to Minnesota. So he is playing just amazing hockey right now. 84 points on the year, second most points in a single season in wild history, second only to Kirill Kaprizov. So Marin Gavrik's longstanding scoring record in a single season has been broken this year by so far two players, Kirill Kaprizov and uh, Kevin Fiala. Erickson Eck, without his line mates, Back-to-back three-point games was great again last night. Played online with Joe Cramarosa uh, and uh, Connor Durer. And yet, Eriksson Eck winds up with a three-point night. Night, So, really, really good hockey. I thought Nick Bukestad was great last night as well. Um, as we mentioned, Kulikov, uh, Kaprizov gets another two assists. He now has 103 points on the year. Um, so, man, this team just keeps keeps rolling along. It's been pretty, pretty doggone good. So um, trying to think of anything else to talk about. Looking forward to the playoffs. Uh, it's gonna, just going to be interesting to see how the Wild match up against the Blues. We know that the Blues are, what, 12-1-1 in their last 14 games against them. Wild don't play well there. Neither of their goalies have played uh, St. Louis particularly well historically and this season and last season. Uh, quite frankly. Um, but right now, to me, it seems like Cam Talbot should have the edge to start game one. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is 8-1 and one with the Wild, but obviously leaking goals lately and just a lot of really strange plays. Last night, he was kind of flopping around. So just not very um, great last night, but the Wild did what they always do for Marc-Andre, and that's the way to pull out the win. And, um, you know, so obviously uh, uh, good overall. Um, I still think you can get to that blue line, but it's hard to say that when they just keep on winning. You know, it's it's like you look at the Blues and you say, all right, that should be, a, you know, something that's a liability for them, their back end. But yet they're 14-0-2 in their last 16. So it's hard to say that. And so the Wild are going to have to figure out a way to slay the Dragon. Go beat a team that has points in 16 straight games four times in a seven-game playoff series. Um, you know, I think this team has the capability if they're healthy. You know, the biggest concern now is that even if they have all these guys back, um, are they 100%? We saw what Jared Spurgeon looked like on half a hamstring in the uh, Winnipeg series in 2018. You need him to be really, really good. And and right now, um, you know, there is obviously a concern that his injury last night, um, you know, is something that uh, could keep him out in the early going. We'll find out. No practice today, so we'll get an update from Dean Evison um, Tuesday morning. Um, on D- on Jared Spurgeon. Um, I am doing a Worst Seats in the House podcast tonight at Tuttle's at 7 p.m. If you want to come down, Wild GM Bill Guerin will with, be with me and Anthony LaPanta, and obviously we'll ask about Spurgeon. So we maybe will get an update tonight as well, but most likely uh, Tuesday morning uh, before the Wild host the Arizona Coyotes. I really, really hope you enjoy this podcast with Scott Mellenby. It's going to be a fun one. Um, a bunch of really quality, uh, you know, podcasts to come hopefully in the playoffs and hopefully maybe a long, long playoff run. Before we get to Scott Melby, here's a word from one of our sponsors. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Really happy to be joined by somebody I've known for, wow, since uh, mid-90s, 95, 96, a special season for both of us, uh, Scott Mellenby. Um, I was three at the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sure felt that way. The, so Scott is the second captain in uh, Panthers history. You've uh, you played many, many years in the National Hockey League, Flyers, Oilers, Panthers, um, Blues yep. with uh, Ray Ferraro. Yes, I and did. And I, I bring that up because we were in the staple in the uh, not. I almost said Staples Center. We were in LA Forum one night, and he like, didn't you like? W- yes, the yeah, only time. This? Well, I was suspended twice in my career. <laughs> Once was was uh, I got a game suspension because back then the the camera angles and everything weren't quite as uh, what they are now. And 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 Ray and I had you know, Ray was a was a competitive guy. I was a competitive guy, and we got into it a bit. And he came at me, and I, I had I, I punched him with my left glove on, and and all of a sudden the blood came pouring out of his nose, and it looked on the camera angle from behind like I crossed it because I had both hands on my stick. Right. It looked like I crossed him in the face, and he said something. He's like, "That's going to cost you." Well, he was right. I got a game. <laughs> yeah, you missed was, the next game in Anaheim. It was a Saturday, and we played Sunday. Yep. And because back then they had a FedEx video yep. to New York to be looked at, and by the time they got it all worked out, it was an with a match penalty. It was an automatic one game. Yeah. So I, I had to sit out the next day. The yeah. other thing I remember about that game is I go down to the locker room after the game, and Jay Moore and um, and uh, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Are in your locker room because yeah. they were like buddies with a couple of your trainers, like Scott Tinkler. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> the yeah, very cool. LA Forum seeing a couple of celebrities. Yeah. So Scott Mellenby played. Over almost 1,500 uh, regular season games in the NHL, 840 points. One of the great power forwards, uh, one of the great lines in Panthers history was Garpenlov on the left, number 29, Rob Niedermeyer in the middle, 44, and you, uh, number yeah. 27. And you are the orchestrator of the rat trick. <laughs> yeah. I've actually got uh, some requests right now. Uh, I guess I can say ESPN on the air. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, doing something with them on Tuesday to right. kind of relive that again. And it's... Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun piece of history, and I know all the guys that were a part of that team are proud of what we accomplished there. Yep. Uh, and I and I think you know it's great to see Florida having the success they are now. They're a fun team to watch. They're, they've done a great job there, Bill Zito and his and his uh, his staff. And I you know for guys like me that started hockey in Florida and we went around in a van to a to malls where there was six people listening to us, and then there was eight people listening to us the summer we started, going, who are these guys? And and then we went on to be we were successful early and yeah. so I think for a lot of us you know it's it's kind of hurt to see the organization for so long become kind of a doormat and so I'm I'm really 
you know, I want the rot thing to mean something and, and the history there to mean something, but I want it to be a, a small part of it. Yeah. They have a bigger story to write, and it's they're, they're going to write that story over the next few years there. Yeah. And then <laughs> people can stop asking me about the rot uh, thing because it's uh, if it wasn't ESPN, I'm not sure I would do it. Yeah, but, though, that's pretty uh, that's pretty interesting because that, to me, it's some, it is part of that lore down there. People ask me all yeah. Well, you still the see the rats around yeah. the ice at the end of games. Yeah, and uh, 1996 was the last time the Panthers won a playoff round. To talk to you about, to, yeah. to, to your point yeah. about being a doormat, and so yeah. Yeah. hopefully they could do something now. Um, yeah. That game, I still remember it like yesterday. You scored two goals against yeah. Calgary, and the story goes that you yeah. slapped a rat, yeah. a mouse, against, which we used to see at Miami Arena yeah. all it, the it time. It was a rat, actually, but uh, yeah, but Beezer's the one. Van Beesbrook's the one that kind of started it because yep. then he said in the paper after that I got a rat trick. You right. might have wrote it. Yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, that's kind of how it started and just snowballed. And to see, to look back and, and see the video now is uh, something else. You kind of, yeah. the amount of, you know, obviously the league stepped in and, and had to kind of make a rule about that. But uh, yeah. no, it's a, it's, a, it's a neat. It would be like 10 minute delays. Yeah, goals. yeah. I mean, I wish I was famous for five Stanley Cups, but <laughs> I guess we have all of our place in history. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing, uh, last point on the rat trick, do you, I mean, do you remember what it was like during your finals run? That Cinderella run, third year of the existence to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. You win the uh, conference finals up in uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. But like, if like walking into Miami Arena, there were scalpers selling rats. Yeah. Plastic oh, yeah. routes. Like well, they, I should have had a cut of it. Yeah, I, I know. Been, I should have somehow got a like cut. If you went to Eckerd, which was an old yeah. drugstore down there, or a Toys R Us, or any, yeah. you, they were cleaned off yeah. the shelves, yeah. and they would literally sell them on the street, ten yeah. bucks for yeah. a rat just to throw yeah. on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I vividly remember looking up at the screen one time. And Marty and Wayne Heisinger used to sit behind the net yep. at the shoot twice yep. zone, on just a couple rows up, and they were announcing, "Please don't throw things on the ice; you could be evicted." Right? right. And Marty Heisinger His was wife. jumping up and down with a bag of rats, throwing them on the ice. Yes. So this is the, this is one of the owners, right? So <laughs> yeah, okay, you're going to evict her. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. right? So it was, uh, I <laughs> it guess, was... a gratuitous announcement. Yeah. Um, you obviously, uh, you know, right now you are uh, you're. To say it, I mean, you're unemployed. You're looking for a job. Yeah. You are a longtime Montreal Canadiens assistant GM. Interviewed for a couple GMs jobs. You were actually a finalist for this job once yep. here in Minnesota. What what happened in Montreal to make you leave this year? You know, I think it was a culmination of a, of a number of things. I think I think it's a bit of a mis, uh, misconception that I left because uh, I wasn't given the GM job. You know, um, that's not really true. You know, I've been I've been told a handful of places now that you don't get the GM job and that's great. And by the <laughs> way, my, my experience here with Craig Leopold and Matt Maka and Mike Medano was fantastic. I put it at the top of the interview processes I went through. It was really, really well done. But, you know, I just felt it had become clear after training camp that, that Birch was not going to sign an extension. And, uh, the, you know, there's, there's a, a few other things that I'd really rather not get into, but I, I just felt it was time to step aside mm-hmm. and, and, and look for something else, uh, take some time, uh, just to kind of, you know, look at what I wanted to do with the future. I, I want to work again. I want to work in hockey for sure. I, as you said, I've interviewed recently for jobs. So, uh, but I just felt it was time, time to move on. Yeah, and you, uh, I mean, that's one reason why you're at these games. I mean, you are yes. staying very much involved in yep. watching this sport and making sure that whatever yep. your next job is, that you are ready to step right in. Yeah, I mean, player personnel in particular at the NHL level has really kind of been my forte over the years and what I enjoy. So, you know, Billy G was good enough to to uh, get me some credentials to get down and see the games and stay on top of, uh, yeah, just be watching and paying attention. So, like I said, when I do go for an interview, whether it's as a, an assistant manager or a player personnel director or whatever the next step is, 
um, that I'll be, you know, in tune with the league. Yeah. Um, one reason why I wanted to do this podcast with you is, um, is I was at Paul Mano's the other day in St. Louis having dinner. And My I'm looking, favorite. Yeah, I mean, I am looking at all these old school. Paul Mano's is this incredible Italian restaurant in, is it Chesterfield? Um, uh, it's it's Chesterfield or Crevecourt, but okay. it, it, might, it might be Chesterfield. So yeah. uh, sort of the home of Luke Cunnan and all, the, all those yeah. incredible blues, first round picks. A lot of them are from that area. So Paul Mano's is this Italian restaurant there that years ago somebody sent me to, and I go back every single season. And I, what I love doing is when you leave there or go in there, in the hallway are a bunch of old school pictures. It is essentially a hockey restaurant. Yeah. And there are all these awesome pictures of you, a young Scott Melanie, yeah. uh, all over that place. Yeah, Paul and I got, got to be pretty good friends. And uh, it's it's uh, my wife and I, it's our favorite restaurant yeah. in St. Louis. And, amazing. Uh, um, it was funny because you texted me and said, hey, look, or you sent me a picture, said, hey, look at this young guy. And I'm like, I was young in Florida. I, I, I was 34 in that picture, so yeah. I was already getting a little long in the tooth. But I certainly looked a lot better and younger than I do now. Do remember, wasn't it um, in St. Louis where you were like the oldest player in NHL history to get your first hat trick at the time or something like that? Uh, well, what it was was at the time, and this, this got broken by Shane Doan, but I had, I had 300, and, 300, well, I ended up with like 365 in my career. I was a little over 300. And I was the I was the had scored the most goals in NHL history without yeah, having a hat trick. Okay. So then I got I had a four goal game. It's the only probably the only goal scoring record uh, Brett Hall doesn't have. I had four power play goals. Wow. They were all power plays. So and I think that's that's an NHL record too. But uh, I got I got to cling to the things I can, like you know, <laughs> pat myself on the back. But um, and then Shane Doan actually, I think went on to have a couple of hat tricks. But he he actually went past whatever my number was three something at the time I did right. it. He actually went past it, and then he did have a couple of hat tricks yeah. later in his career. So you split time between St. Louis and Hudson, Wisconsin, pretty I, much? Well, we moved. To, we were in St. Louis a long time. We were there for 16 years, probably total, between playing. Then I went to Atlanta to finish my career. Then we went back. My kids kind of feel like that's home. Um, my wife's from Wisconsin, from you know, close to this area. Yep. We have a lot so, of a lot of yes, yeah, so, uh, a lot of uh, relatives in this area. So we decided a few years ago to buy some property we moved here and the plan is to be here full-time i have a son that's 26 with autism and yep. because of covid we were here for five months and covid hit and his program shut down and we've been kind of jumping through hoops trying to to keep him happy and yeah. keep him so we were back in st louis most of this winter to put him back in his program there because we've had issues with the one here with the masking which he doesn't he'll rip it off because he has sensor issues so this is home really now mm -hmm. uh, hudson wisconsin right um but we've just kind of been, COVID has affected us in a unique way because of our special needs situation. Probably of all the scouts that come to games, you've seen the wild more. I've seen you also in St. Louis a ton. So I yeah. thought one reason to have you on would also is talk about this upcoming Blues and Wild series. Um, yeah. What, like, first of all, what has happened in St. Louis where that team is just absolutely on a tear right now, scoring, you know, point streak, scoring four, I mean, it's just crazy how well they're playing and scoring yeah. four or five goals a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I think I think they're they're just a good deep team. I think they you know they started out the season pretty well, and teams go through lulls. I think their 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 goaltending may have dipped a little bit there for a while. And as you know, like if you're getting goaltending, you got a much better chance to win in this league. So yep. you know, Villiusos had a great year for them. Uh, Bennington's bounced back now. I think his last four games, he has a great. Uh, 940 save percentage or something. So, but you know they're they're just they're very well like 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 Minnesota. Like they're very well coached. 
I think both teams are very well coached. Um, they're, they're, they both believe in what they're about and how they're playing. And I think, you know, this St. Louis team isn't the same St. Louis team from a few years ago. And I think maybe just building that, you know, remember that year they won the cup, they weren't very good the first few months. Yeah. And then they kind of figured out what they were and that's the way they played. I think they, they're a little bit more of a skill game now than they were then. Definitely. And perhaps it's taken a bit of time to just find the rhythm and what they are and how they need to play to win. And, and uh, whether that's maybe focusing on defending a little bit more because of, you know, it's, it, when you have that many guys that, I mean, they got a bunch of guys that scored 20 goals, eight guys, I think, like, you can get caught up in, in maybe playing that way too much. No doubt. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know. Craig Berube was in my wedding. He's a close friend of mine, was my roommate in, in uh, Philly for four years. I haven't, I don't talk to him that often, so I, I can't give you a verbatim from him. But uh, I just think they're, they're a really good deep team. Yeah, and they're scoring a ton of goals. Yeah, I mean they're, a ton of goals. The um, the one area right, like I look at them at 2019 as almost being deeper than they were in 2019 up front. The one area that maybe is not as good as their blue line. Would you agree there? I think so. I think I think everyone knows their group of forwards is their strength. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, uh, but you know, you've got you've got Krug and and uh, and Falk there, um, and they brought Letty in, who's played really well for them. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean their defense, and I mean their defense in general, the back end, and just the way they played as a group of forwards and and what have you. Um, I mean they ran teams out of the rink in the playoffs yeah. that year. It was it was scary. So um, I think for sure. But their their depth of forward. I mean you can't focus on one line and say, well, if we if we shut down this line, we're in good shape. They just, they they, yeah. they go three lines deep of scores. You know. Yeah, I just had this heart like unbelievable like. Out of the blue, I mean, I'm totally changing subjects. This recollection of uh, a Panther game in Montreal when you crash into the end boards. Yes. I don't know why that popped in my head. Yeah. But I just, watching you talk, I just, I don't know if you remember, after the game, I visited, me and David Neal visited you at the Montreal General Hospital. Do you oh, remember did this? You? I don't yeah. remember that. You were looped. We just went yeah. there to, like, make yeah. sure you were okay to, yeah. because we knew. Yeah. Well, we I guess know. I guess it's time I said thank you. Then. Yeah, I don't <laughs> remember it. As you know, you know I went into the boards yeah, kind of sideways and... And was knocked out for 30 seconds. I was unconscious and was taken off a st- on a stretcher. Yeah. So yeah, I was. I, I don't remember that. Yeah. I really don't. We was, show up in the ER and we uh, basically ask where you are because we were what we were worried about was one getting an update because this is back in the day you couldn't text people. Yeah. But two, like, um, like we didn't. The team went to Toronto and we're like, they uh, did. And we were. And I remember saying to David, like, do you think Scott has anybody with him? Like, do, like yeah. well, <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Scott Tinkler, our trainer. Yes. Was, and that's was, who we ran into, and he brought me. us yeah. in, and yeah. you were, and yeah. we just kind of like looked over you yeah. and just said, "Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember Tink in. and I, Tink and I, be, he was there. At He's the, start. the best. He's great. We were good friends, and I, I guess on a podcast I can be a little bit yeah. uh, grotesque, but yeah. I, I just remember him being in the room with me. The doc came in, and obviously they were worried about any kind of paralysis. Right. And uh, I remember, I don't know if that's the way they do it now, but he stuck his finger up my butt and feel the prostate and said, can you feel this? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I remember turning to Tink and saying, let's keep this between us, okay? <laughs> I was not in there for that part, <laughs> no, you I were not. No, you weren't. Um, Tink, by the way, if you're listening, Scott Tinkler is essentially the, the Tony DaCosta of the wild. He was the head equipment manager yeah, for the Panthers. good man. Back good in man. those days, yeah. and his assistant, Timmy Leroy, is in Columbus yeah. still uh, since day one. Uh, yeah, great people. Yep, great people. Um, back to the Blues. Uh, you've, I mentioned you watched the Wild a ton. What do you think of, of this new Wild team right now, and how how good they've been well i mean i i think i think billy and uh, and dean nevison have done a phenomenal job here creating a culture 
I mean, it's, uh, you know, Dean is a guy I played against uh, and was a real intense player, big-time competitor, and you yep. see it. You put the camera on him. I mean, people on TV at home see it. He's got that look, right? And I think the team's very reflective of, you know, of, of his attitude and approach, um, and they're just they're a 200-foot team, you know, and then obviously, you know, adding cappers off, in here the last couple of years it's been it's a it's amazing you know the guy's an amazing player there's no yeah. doubt about it so um you know i think they're they're probably a little bit heavier style of play wise than st louis is now uh, which it, I, it shocks me that i would ever say that because yeah. st louis is really used you know, to be the big bad blues uh, yeah yeah and, they, and you know they and they still compete hard but um you know uh i mean i just love th- this is a team like if you're a fan of the wild it's 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 fun for people to 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 watch a team that's a team, and to me that's the feeling I get. You, I don't. I'm not in the re- in the room. I'm not around. But you are, mm-hmm. so you would have a good feel for that. Yeah. But they just seem to really play for each other. No they doubt. They seem to be really having fun. They, mm-hmm. they you know buying and belief in this league really can take you a long way. I'm not saying just with buying and belief you win the cup. But it makes teams teams. St. Louis had it in 19. St. Louis has it now. And these guys have it now. They, right. they believe in what they're doing. They believe in their, in their coach. They believe in, in the style of play and, and what they're doing. And they seem to all have, uh, you know, feel, feel good about their roles. And, uh, you know, you get guys like Mike Hartman and, and Freddie Goudreau yeah, playing Hartman. the way yep. they are. Uh, sorry. Yeah. What did I say? Mike Hartman, oh, who's, a, who's another player. Yeah, yep. um, Ryan Hartman. Uh, I saw Ryan play in junior, and he was a, always a hard-nosed, yeah. tough kid. Um, and what he's done here is really remarkable. And uh, that's probably the biggest, not to point the finger at those two players in particular, but I would say that's these guys are, are kind of putting a dent in the side of, you know, the hockey minds that we've always said you build through the middle. And they're, they're excellent players. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not, but it seems like they're smart, hardworking players that have real – extreme talent on their wings yes you know, uh, no but, doubt but they've done it for now i mean hartman's got what 32 yep. goals 31 goals something yeah. like that so but again like i said uh he's smart enough to play with good players and he has enough skill to play with yep. them and uh it's I, I just think it's a fun team yeah. to watch no doubt and actually bill garen has said that he's like look if you, you know if you can't acquire that true number one center you could have really yeah. good wingers like like zuccarello is essentially the center of that line you know yeah. it's, it's yeah. kind of interesting yeah. um one one uh, Twitter person uh, did ask um, if you had to compare Tarasenko and Kaprizov, what would how would you compare the two? Um, well, they're both Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you know, Vladi Tarasenko is is a horse as far as size wise, thick, thick, thick. Kaprizov seems to me to be a real thick build yeah. as well. He's certainly not as tall as Tarasenko, but he's a guy that at at his size, size doesn't affect him at all. He's mm-hmm. powerful, strong. Gets underneath people, um, you know. I, I think that Caprizov. Uh, I guess comparing them, I would, I would think he makes more plays than Tarasenko does. Um, yep. It's not the and Vlad, it's not that Vladi can't make plays. He made a hell of a play the other night on a power play goal to, uh, I think it was Barbashev in the power play a couple of nights ago. I was yep. watching the and game and he set up the uh, overtime think, winner in, yeah, in Minnesota yeah. so he, against yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, and he made a great pass and. Game seven in Boston to Shen in the slot. So, yep. so he may, he can make plays. Don't get me wrong, but I think you think of I think you think of of Vladi more as a, as the big shot. Yeah, and Kaprizov is maybe more the playmaker. But really, they both can do both. Yeah. You know? So 
Um, they're, they're both great players. They're different yeah. speakers. Uh, warm-ups are about to begin here, but I did want to ask you, in January, you lost your dad, Ralph. Um, yeah. I, I had the pleasure of meeting Ralph in Montreal, uh, Montreal at Toronto, uh, once or twice, um, back back in the day when they're playing. But Ralph was um, executive producer for Hockey Night in Canada for 20 years, one of the great people in television. Um, you know, uh, how, how much of a loss was that for your family? Well, it's always a loss when you, you know, anytime you lose somebody, it's it, whether my dad was 87 and no matter how he had a great life and a long life, um, and whether somebody's young or old, it's still hard. Yeah. It's still hard. He, he was uh, a beloved person by many people. Uh, I've always, the proudest thing I've always been about him is I, I've always considered him what I call an everyman. I don't even know if that's a word, yeah. but, but, uh, the amount of people that that over the years when I would go into buildings yeah. would come to me and say, "How's Ralph? How's your dad? He gave me my job. He, what a great guy! What a great..." Guy. And it could be a guy that was the floor sweep or the cameraman or Bobby Orr. Like it was, he he just treated people the right way and treated them not by what their name was or how much money they made or what have you. He just was a good person, yeah. and I I hope I got some of that in me as well. Yeah. And, and uh, so yeah, we we miss him, but. Fortunately, he didn't suffer a lot, and he had a great life. Yeah, and you got to be proud. I mean, like when I watch TV, like a lot of the stuff that you still see today is stuff that was essentially developed by your dad. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, yeah. he was hockey night in Canada. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, he had a huge impact on on the game. He worked many Olympics, won Emmy awards, yep. did the Miracle on Ice game for for ABC, um, and you know, he 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 hired. Uh, Guys used to used to joke and say, "I'm going to follow Mel around when we're in Canada because <laughs> Hockey Night Canada, because Cherry will be patting him on the back for something." You know, I could have a good line change in Don because my dad hired Don, right? And uh, it's it'd be like, "Oh, look at that line change by Melanby! What a great line change!" <laughs> you know, so it was uh, guys used to give me the gears a bit, but he had a great he had a great career. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I've tried with you. a little bit. It hasn't. It's. They, they say they don't have a category for him. I think he's a builder. Yeah. I mean, we see it now, Mike. Look at this stuff you're doing right yeah. now. If you don't build through the media, how do you build the game? Yep. And, no doubt. And I don't know how there's no no spot for him, but yeah. uh, there hasn't been to this point. Yep. Uh, curveball, what's your best Mike Keenan story? <laughs> that I can tell. On, yeah. I guess on here I can tell anything. Um, you played for him on the Flyers. Oh, boy. Right? Oh, I, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. I've got so many of them that uh, I'm not sure Mike wants me to tell some of them. But <laughs> all I'll say about Mike is this: Mike was hard on me. Yeah, he was. And uh, I think he believed in me. He was hard on guys like me and Rick Tockett that he knew he could push our buttons and we'd respond. Right. But uh, the one thing I'll say about Mike is everything he ever did at the rink was to make us better. Yeah. And and to make us win and try to win a Stanley Cup, which we almost did. Uh, and away from the rink. Away from the bench, away from the ice, he always treated me with respect and treated me well. So um, I know one thing. Once I played my first couple of years for Mike, I knew I could play for anybody. Yeah. So uh, he made me tougher that way. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we've all got a few stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt. I do, too. Um, last question. You mentioned how tight-knit the Wild appear. You know, when I when I think of tight teams, I think of that 95-96 Panthers team and the, year, and the teams that you captained as well. Um, how proud are you also? There's so many guys that were on that special team that went to the Stanley Cup Final that are still involved with the game, right? I mean, Tom yeah. Fitzgerald and yeah. Gord Murphy and Jody Hull and 
Billy Lindsay, and I mean, it's so on. I mean, I know I'm forgetting a ton. John Van Beesbrook. I mean, yeah. it's Jovo's doing TV down in Florida yeah, now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just well, pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It is neat. It's unfortunately you don't get to see and talk to those guys too much. You kind of run into them here and there, but it was yeah, it was a special group. It was a fun group, and uh, I, I always say, you know, I don't care where you play. I don't care if you play. You know, I, I played in Edmonton for two years. The first year we went to the semifinals, and it was great. The next year we missed the playoffs, and it was too cold, and the taxes were too high, right? So <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, I, I have great memories of all the teams I played on that, that had deep playoff runs and yeah. unfortunately didn't capture a cup but came close. But, you know, and, and uh, you know, those are the memories you have, the special bonds yeah. when you – when you and, and especially when you have when you do it as a team, that's so gratifying. No winning doubt. one playoff round is gratifying. Yeah. Winning two, winning three, whatever. And when you do it as a as a group, it's uh, it just is a special bond. Yeah. I said to I did a podcast with Tom Fitzgerald a couple months ago, and I said to him, I bet you never thought in 1995 six that your coach as the GM of a team would be Lindy Ruff. Now, Lindy Ruff on your bench and as assistant coach on those teams. And yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. Lindy was great. Oh my God. Yeah. Lindy was quite a character. He showed up at our Halloween party one year uninvited in Florida. <laughs> Quick story. And this guy walks into the house with scuba gear on, full scuba. And it's like, who is that? Who is that? Who's that? He walked out. It was at Gordy Murphy's house. He walked out. He jumped in the pool and sat on the bottom. He had the whole, he had the, not scuba. So yeah, scuba with, with the tank. And he sat in the bottom of the pool for 15 minutes. And everyone was looking at him going, who is that guy? And he got up out of the pool, walked out the front door. And someone was waiting outside for him in a car, jumped in the car and took off. <laughs> and he never, ever admitted it for 20-something years. I finally, about five years ago, finally got him. He finally admitted to me it was him. We knew yeah. it was him, yeah. but, he, but he never admitted it. Never That's admitted hilarious. It. Yeah. The one, uh, I was just telling Brian Campbell recently this, and I've talked to Marty Barone about this. The, he played a practical joke. I'm covering the Panthers. Remember John Corman, the Broward County yeah, Sheriff yeah. deputy that yeah. worked the visitor's room? Yep. He had... John Corman set this up with some of his, some of his deputy pals. We're leaving a game in Florida. The t Buffalo Sabres team bus is pulled over. They pull off ro rookie ro Brian Campbell. They pull off all his bags, and they find all these these uh, illegal pills in his bag oh, that yeah. were placed in there that was Viagra. Oh. And he's and they literally put the guy in handcuffs and all of his teammates on the bus. And the person that set up the practical joke was the coach of the team, yeah. Lindy Ruff. Isn't that I, amazing? I, I, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. He, yeah, he was uh, he was quite a prankster for sure. Yep. Um, hey, this was a lot of fun. I, I really can't wait to your GM in this league, Scott, because I just think you'd be absolutely uh, you know perfect. You're such a great hockey man. Um, and you know, I, I hope I'm still covering the league when you're when you're a GM. But either way, the game is better with you back in it. So hopefully that happens soon. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I'm looking forward to getting back in it in in some form, and uh, it's in my blood. So this yeah. is what I want to do. That is a longtime NHL player, longtime NHL executive, former Florida Panthers captain, the second one in history, Scott Mellenby. Here's a word from one of our sponsors. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods.
Well, my thanks to Scott Mellenby for joining this week straight from the source. I have a long history with Scott, obviously, from my days covering the Florida Panthers way back when he was the second ever captain in Panthers history. I still remember that day when they when he succeeded Brian Skrulin. It was just a fun, fun story to write back then and just uh, really cool that here we are. Uh, you know, well, man, it's crazy. 27 years later, and I'm, I still know Scott Mellenby. Unbelievable. Um, big week for the Wild Ahead. By the time you listen to the next podcast, we will know if the Wild are starting home or road uh, in the playoffs. In fact, we'll probably be into the first round series. Uh, this three-game stretch uh, at home to end the regular season will determine it. The Wild host the Arizona Coyotes on Tuesday, then Calgary and Colorado back-to-back. Thursday and Friday to close out the regular season. Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks joins Craig Custance and Sean Chantilly on this week's athletic hockey show. He'll discuss his breakout season, the retirement of Ryan Getzlaff, Tyson Nash and skilling it up and a lot more. And Julian McKenzie stops by the round table with Rob Pizzo, Sarah Sivian and Jesse Granger Wednesday on the athletic hockey show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. Subscribe to the athletic audio plus on Apple podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. This week, Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown provide the bonus content. Start a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.